somebody a high five as you sit down. Hey, also, help me thank our new friend, Carrington Gaines, for worshiping with us tonight. I look like a professor up here, don't I? Got so much to share. Glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. We're glad you're here tonight. Um, hey, a couple things. Um, we're wrapping up a series I'm super excited about um, tonight. We're, we've been sharing this last few weeks about by design, and we're going to be talking about what is the design of the church, like us, me, you. But next week, um, we're launching a brand new series. I'm telling you, you want to be here for the next three weeks. It's called People Are the Worst. And why you really need them. You know, here's the truth. We live in a culture where it is so easy, so easy to be cynical of people and relationships. And the more we're involved with social media, the reality is sometimes the less it makes us want to be in relationship. And what ends up happening is, is we are becoming more and more lonely as people. And here's what's ironic as Christians. The more lonely we get the less we can fully live in what Jesus had planned for us. Like, the more lonely we are, the less we can fully live in what he had planned for us. So we're gonna spend a few weeks talking about how do we rediscover life in these relationships. So you need to show up for the next few weeks, invite your friends, and um, let me just say quickly, uh, I wanna say uh, hi to all of those at all of our other campuses, Lakewood, Littleton, Arvada, Brussels, the men and women at our Guy Behind Bars campus. We love you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm about to do, I can promise you, I've never seen attempted before anywhere. And um, I'm not suggesting that you try this at home. But what I'm going to attempt to do is go through 2,000 years of church history in under five minutes. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. In 30 AD in Jerusalem, Jesus died on a cross. He was buried and on the third day resurrected. Then he ascended into heaven. Now, 50 days later after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit falls. And in Acts 2-4, it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they were also given a purpose and a plan. Peter, the apostle, preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 people's lives are changed, and the church was born. Peter and John continue to build the church, speaking to crowds, performing miracles, and the church grows by 5,000. Now, 31 AD, Stephen, speaking on Jesus' behalf, enrages local leaders. They kill him, making him the first Christian martyr. 34 AD, the Lord meets Saul on the road to Damascus, transforms this persecutor of Christ, so he changes his name to Paul, and he begins to build the church. In 44 AD, King Herod Agrippa I executes James, then he puts Peter in prison, but an angel comes, rescues Peter from prison. Awesome. Now, persecution continues to be a problem for the early church. And as it intensifies, they decide to move the center of operations from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, Antioch, this is where Paul and Barnabas were sent out on their very first missionary adventure. On the first missionary journey, Paul visits Galatia, Phrygia, Ephesus. He then spends three months in Greece 
before he travels to Jerusalem where he's arrested. Paul was then sent to Rome for trial, but he is shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. Paul, uh, when he finally arrives in Rome, he lives there for two years before Nero ordered his execution. And that, my friend, is the book of Acts. I'm not done, I'm not done. 80 A.D. Christianity begins to spread further to cities in France, then Tunisia. 100 A.D. The first Christians are actually reported in Algeria and in Sri Lanka. 150 A.D. The gospel now reaches Portugal, Morocco. 174 A.D., the gospel reaches Austria, then Switzerland, then Belgium. Then, in 238, the gospel reaches Ethiopia. Fast forward to 595, 200 years later. Pope Gregory I sends St. Augustine of Canterbury and a team of missionaries to England. And within the first year, they baptize 10,000 people. 635, first Christian missionaries. Where do they end up? China. Awesome. 740, Irish monks brought the gospel to Iceland. 900, missionaries make it to the country of Norway. Now, by 1200, this is so cool, by 1200, there are now, the Bible is now available in 22 languages. 1491, missionaries arrive in the African Congo, where the first church located in Angola. Few years later, Kenya reports its first known Christians. In Spain, at the same time, Alexander VI sends Catholic missionaries to the New World, and as a result, Christopher Columbus took a priest with him on the second journey to the Americas. 1531, Franciscan Juan de Padilla started his missionary work in Mexico City. 1550, John Calvin sends French Protestants to reach the people of Brazil. 1640, Jesuit missionaries reach the Caribbean and they land on the island of Martinique. And in 1730, the Great Awakening happens throughout the Americas. George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, they stir revival throughout the colonies. Now, 1906. There's this thing called the Azusa Street Revival. It leads to the founding of the Assemblies of God denomination. In 1929, a small Swedish assembly begins meeting in a storefront in downtown Rockford, Illinois. It becomes known as First Assembly of God in 1934. Fast forward to the 1990s, around 1997. Eric Parks, me, Brian Zabel right there, Sean Johnson come to Jesus at First Assembly of God. And they feel a call to ministry. Now, fast forward. Sean Johnson, Brian Zabel, meet up with Scott Brugman, Todd Ballard, and a few others. They decide to start a church here in Colorado. They call it Red Rocks Church. And our first services are where? Heritage Square. 2012 sees our first expansion. We expand into Littleton, former dinner theater. Red Rocks Church is now multi-site. 2013, we launch our first God Behind Bars campus at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility. 2014, we purchase a Vietnamese grocery store in Lakewood. We launch our third campus. Same year, we purchase our home for Arvada campus, and we launch that in 2015. Now, also in 2015, we launch our second GBB campus at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility for Men. In 2016, also, we expand across the sea. We launch our Brussels campus in Waterloo, Belgium. 
And in January 2019, we head to the Lone Star State, Austin, Texas. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for our newest campus because in November, we launch Park Meadows. And folks, that, my friend, is me doing church history in 2,000 years, or in five minutes or less. That was amazing. <laughs> we have a design, a design that started way back 2,000 years ago. In fact, if you rewind the tape and you begin to ask the question, okay, so that's 2,000 years worth of church history, a little bit of Red Rocks history, but what does this really mean? What, what's it supposed to look like for us going forward? Well, Jesus says real specifically, if you're wondering, what our role is to be, what is the design for us as the church. When he talks to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, I wanna read it to you, because I think it answers the question, what is God's design for us, the church? It says this, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, now this is the key right here, guys. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So today, we're gonna answer the question really clearly, what is it that you and I are supposed to do? Jesus said go, but what does that really look like? Let's pray real quick and then we're gonna dive in. God, help us understand our role in your design of the church. Open our eyes, Jesus, to what you said to us in your word and then help us embrace it and live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. So here's how I wanna break this down. I wanna break down um, our role as the church in two very succinct sort of pockets. Because the question really does beg, not only what is our role collectively, but I think it has to start with, what's your role? In other words, what is it that I'm supposed to do? What about me? Me. So let me, let me go to to scripture and sort of show you something that I think is really interesting. Um, you know, if you look back at the passage, it helps us understand what is Jesus expecting us to do. All you have to do is go back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now you find this in Mark chapter one, but let me give you a tiny little synopsis and then I'll read God's word to us. What we know is that as Jesus goes out to start his ministry, he encounters two guys who end up being two of his disciples, Simon, who becomes Peter, and then his brother Andrew, right? They're sitting on a boat. They're fishermen. This is what they know to do. They know how to fish. They know how to put lines in the water. This is what they do. Now, Jesus comes up to them, and he sees these two guys, and he, remember, he's beginning his ministry. This is the beginning of his ministry, the beginning of what he's going to do on planet Earth, and this is what the Bible tells us that he says to them in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, saw his brother Andrew, 
throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you. Now let's pause there for a second. Now those of you that are in sales know that whatever comes next is what we would call the close. See, whenever you pitch somebody to come follow you or do something on your behalf or, or join, you know, sell an Avon or whatever it is, when you get to this point where you go, listen, I want you to follow me and I will show you what next is the, the close, right? He's going to close. And, and it's funny, if you stop for a second and put yourself in the two disciples, who future disciples' shoes, you would think Jesus' close would be, I don't know, come follow me and I'll show you the meaning of life. Or come follow me and I'm going to show you the mysteries of the universe. Or come follow me and you'll be successful. Or I don't know, you'll have the world at your feet or you'll be great. But I want you to notice Jesus' close. What he says to these two, he says, if you come and follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. That's his close. That's what he says. In other words, Jesus looks at these two and says, listen, if you choose to follow me, if you come with me, I'm not promising you fortune or fame or riches. What I'm promising you is, is I will show you how to teach other people to follow me. See, that's his close. So let me ask you this, a little quiz. If Jesus starts his ministry by saying, I want you to go and fish for men, and then he ends his ministry in Matthew 28 by saying go, what is it that Jesus wants us to do? That was the worst quiz. Most of you failed. <laughs> One more time, what does he want us to do? That's exactly what he wants us to do. It's not a mystery. It's not a surprise. What Jesus wants of us is to go. And this is what I have found to be the most challenging part of life with Jesus, truthfully. For many of us, the moment we hear the idea that the primary objective of life with Jesus is for me to go make disciples, at your palm, don't your palms get clammy? You go, <laughs> no, not me. I don't know how to do that, right? I don't, I'm not smart enough. I don't know what the Bible says. I'm not good enough to do that. The moment we begin to talk about this, and let me pause for a second, because those of you that are visiting or someone brought you here, I'm just gonna be real straight with you for a second. We are hoping that you will become a Christian. <laughs> this just it. I just want to be real plain. Like, we found life in Jesus. And look, take your time. It's totally cool. Like, take your time. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. But, but I want to be honest. Like, that's the goal. Like, I want you to know the Jesus that I know. And I want you to fall in love with him. I want him to impact your life the way that thousands of us have had our lives impact. So that's what we're hoping for you. That's what we're praying for. So anyway, anytime we begin to talk about sharing my faith, our faith, people get their, their, their palms get clammy and they say, I don't know how to do that and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say and I don't know the Bible. And so, listen, I'm going to tell you one. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're supposed to go and share our faith. Now, I'm gonna give you two simple ways to do it. Two, simple. Number one, I like to call it invest. 
you can sort of put the subtext if you're taking notes. It's really simple. It all starts with intentionally investing time and energy and resources into another human being. That's invest. Like, now, let me be clear on this. Investing can look all kinds of different. I don't mean that you have to spring the first time you meet somebody like, hey man, you should know Jesus. In fact, for some of you, you need to calm down. <laughs> but listen, the, the first step of sharing our faith, like going, is finding someone who doesn't know Jesus and investing time in them. And it can be as simple, seriously, as simple as, I'm going to strike up a conversation with my neighbor when we go and take out the trash. That is an intentional investment of time. It could be I'm gonna invest in somebody in my school who I know doesn't go to church by inviting him to a barbecue or I'm gonna ask him out to coffee. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know this, that if a person isn't involved, then you're not doing investment. It has to be another person. And listen, you can't just have good thoughts about sharing God's word and, and sharing your faith. You have to actually do it. That's why Jesus uses the verb go. He's like, you have to do it. You have to invest. And we just say simply, just intentionally invest energy into a person. Start by saying hi. Um, start by reaching out to your neighbor or someone at school. But listen, all of us are Red Rocks. What God's design is for you is number one, is to be investing in somebody who doesn't know him. That means there should be, in any given week, at least another 12,000 people who are being invested in who don't know Jesus by you, being intentional, invest. Now let me give you a second piece. So you have to start with invest. But let me, this sort of makes it simple. Invite. Let me kind of help you sort of play this out. About 20 years ago, the light bulb went on in my head and our head here at Red Rocks when we were really pretty young, that we actually could create environments where people would come once and then actually want to come back. It's actually one of the great learnings. So if a lot of you are like, why is it that you and us, why do we do church the way we do? Because of first learning, that you could create environments where people who are far from God would wanna come, and then they'd wanna come back. Like, that's why we do the things that we do, so that when you extend an invitation to someone, when they come, they don't feel like an outsider. We always say, welcome home. We're always saying, look, and I didn't say it up front, but let me be clear, we are a hospital. Like, you are dealing with a bunch of people who have different kinds of brokenness, but we serve a perfect God who loves us and has a destiny for all of us, right? We know that. So the first learning, why we do what we do is so that you can extend an invitation. And then you know what the second learning is? And this is huge. That when a group of people are living and loving like Jesus, it actually breaks down walls of unbelief. Did you know that? Like when you invite people here, it's not just so they can hear awesome music and see what worship looks like and hear a great message. It's so that they can rub shoulders with lots of us who are living and loving like Jesus because it actually breaks down walls of unbelief. That's why... We just say, look, invest in somebody and then extend an invitation. Now, it's gotta be the right timing. Oh, you, you, you can't, oftentimes, most times, you can't invite the first time you meet, but if you invest, 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 and then you pick a series and you go, that's the one. Here's what I can promise you. 
We're going to try really hard in these experiences to make sure that they rub up close to people who love Jesus and they have an experience that they might wanna come back to. That's it. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna speak truth. We're gonna talk about Jesus because he matters so much to us. But that's what you can count on. And listen, I don't know if that's the perfect formula for you to go, but it's a simple one that most of us can go, well, if, if I have a role in that great commission to go, my go is to just invest and invite. Now, let me talk about a second piece. Let me talk about we. Because the truth is, the design for the church also includes we collectively. So let me tell you what's happening around here. Number one, we set aside money as a church every single year for go. In fact, last year, we set aside and, and put out from this place $1.518 million that were just for go, just for go, just for go. That's like when we talk about you, when you bring your ties to the storehouse, what's happening to it? Let me say this. You can go online right now. You can download our financial report on the very front of our webpage. You can see the pretty version, but those of you that are like accountants and nerds, you can download the, our audited financials. And every year, we have an auditor, Cape and Kraus, an outside firm that audits our financials because you want to know why? Clean hands. We want you to know when you bring your money to the storehouse, it's clean hands. Now, we're going to set stuff aside to go. And so you need to know that's part of what we are doing together. Now, secondly, church plants. I want you to know that part of what we're doing is we're going to continually engage in planting churches. Now, some of those churches are going to be like Red Rocks churches, like what we did in Austin. Now, li listen, Austin, we just planted that church. And, and while we're not, we're not piping in our message down there, Doug is preaching down there. We sent a team of guys down there, us, we, we put money toward that, and, and this is what's cool. Two weeks ago, they had 459 people and launched their third service. That's, that's what we're doing, right? And I can promise you this. If you continue to be generous, we will continue to do that. We'll continue to press. Sometimes people are like, wait a minute. You planted a church in Brussels, Belgium. Why? I'm like, well, why not? Do you know that church is almost averaging 500 people a week? Guys, it's almost the biggest church in Belgium. We're gonna keep doing that. We're gonna keep doing that. And sometimes we're gonna put a bunch of effort in churches that have no benefit to Red Rocks Church. Tons of them. I'll give you one example. Young church planner. I knew him when he was 18. He's like 38 now. I've known him for a long time. Said he wanted to plant a church. In a small town, the name of his church is Cedar Bend Church. He said, would Red Rocks get behind our church plant? We all went, yeah, we'll get behind your church plant. We gave them a bunch of money to plant. So he texts me in June because they start their launch team in June. Here's what he said. He's like, hey, seriously, he, he was giving me an update. Just having us out was huge because they came out to visit. They brought their whole team. They were here at all of our campuses. They came around. We spent time pouring into them, but we also gave them a big financial gift. He said, thanks. We had 77 people at our team church on Sunday for a little town to gather 77 people. This is a little town in, um, in Iowa to launch a church in a barn of all places, which I went, well, we know about launching a church in a barn. 
He said, in a barn of all places can only be Jesus. And I was like, amen, brother, preach that. Thanks for believing in our team. Here's a picture of our crew. So he sent like his little barn picture. I was like, that's awesome. Now, so that was cool, that was in June. Now, three weeks ago, he sends me this text. They launched. He said, hey, bro, had a great launch last weekend. We had 245 people come out. 245, seven people came to Jesus. Red Rocks, we did that. We got to be a part of that. And and he said, I want to show you a highlight video from our launch day. And I'm like, I just got to share it with you. So this is like a one-minute launch video of what happened. This has really been a dream that's been 20 years in the making, and it's been a windy road. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God led them in a roundabout way. And I think God gives us three answers when we find ourselves on detours. The first one is no, because it's the right plan, but it's the wrong timing. Sometimes God says not yet to us, because sometimes God has to work on us, And sometimes God has to work for us before he can work through us. But it's that process that puts us in the right season at the right time. Number three is now or yes. I think this church is a part of that. We want to come alongside of people and help you become who God created you to be. Believe plus receive equals become. And it really starts with a decision like this to make God your everything. Is that not awesome? We got to be a part of that. Now listen. He sends me a text last week. He says this. He says, thanks, Parks. Attendance went up to 300 yesterday. Guys, this is the design of the church. And I keep saying, your speed of your generosity. You see this right here? This is just opportunity from this week. This week. I had somebody, I could go through all of them. Someone going, hey, we're reaching Muslims in other countries. Hey, we're reaching more church pastors in India. Will you help us? Will you help us? And so I'm just looking at you going, hey, can we be a we and help all this stuff? Like, because there's so much of the gospel that needs to get out. And what's so cool about we is that collectively we can do things together that we couldn't do on our own. See, this is what we supposed to be about. And we're gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna tell you the last thing we're gonna keep doing. We're gonna continue to launch campuses. God willing, we're gonna continue to launch campuses. You saw the timeline and what God's done, but guys, we don't think we're finished yet. We're gonna keep pushing. And so I'm super excited, super excited that in just a few short weeks, we're launching our campus in Park Meadows in November. Can you give it up for that? And we're gonna keep doing this. We're gonna keep pushing, keep launching campuses, and the pace of your generosity really dictates all that we can do, all that we can do. So I'm gonna make three very specific asks of you. Number one, on the give side, look, you decide whether or not you wanna be a part of this. That's that simple. If you want to, awesome. Um, if you can get behind what we're doing and you believe in this place as your church home, awesome. Um, you know this, that we've done all these last few things with no capital campaigns. Notice that? We're not doing capital campaigns. We're just gonna, we're gonna be really smart with what God brings our way. We're gonna save, we're gonna advance, and then we're gonna come to you and just be honest and say, hey, we got lots more opportunities if pace of our generosity, pace of what we can do. But here's what I really wanna ask you to do. I want... 1,000 of us at all of our campuses to commit for six months 
to go to Park Meadows. That's what we're asking. We're asking 1,000 of us for the next six months to go to Park Meadows and make that your home. And listen, I'm not asking if you live nearby. I'm asking you to do it as a ministry. I don't care if you live in Arvada. (laughs) God's gonna prompt you, and we're believing 1,000 of you will leave the church, the campus you call home and go there for six months. So why are we gonna do that? Because we wanna open up more seats at optimal times so that people can what? Invest and invite, right? That's what this is all about. So if you'll go there and you'll invest in that, we're gonna ask you to go. And then we're also believing a crazy, crazy belief that maybe just as many people will sign up and serve and be a part of we. Listen, let me say this quickly. We have got to ruthlessly eliminate the word they from our vocabulary. You say, well, what do you mean? You know they. They's what you say about AMC when you pull into there to watch a movie, right? Their parking lot, their popcorn, their bathrooms, that movie. We're not they. We're we. That's what we are, you see? And if you're like... I don't want to be we here. Then let us help you find a place where you can go be we. Because you deserve to be in a place that you go, that's my thing. That's my church. That's my family. I'm part of that deal. Right? So, we're, we're asking that just as many of you will go and serve. To go, a thousand of us to go, and a thousand of us to serve. And here's, it's really simple. If you have a smartphone... First of all, if you don't have a smartphone, I'd like to meet with you after church. (laughs) If you have a smartphone, it's really simple. We're not doing paper on this one. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider between now and maybe even tomorrow, maybe this evening. I think these prayers, I don't think you have to deliberate too long. I think God's sort of prompting probably a ton of you already. You download the, the Red Rocks app. Punch the app, it's super simple. You go into the app, you fill out your information, and will you just tell us if you're gonna go or if you're gonna serve? You can kinda highlight where you wanna serve. Here's why this matters. Because there's a bunch of information that's gonna be coming down the road in the next few weeks that'll tell you everything you need to know. So, get your phone, hit the deal, and we'll, I'm just praying a thousand of us will go and a thousand of us will serve. I'm just saying a thousand of us will serve. I don't think we can put a thousand of you to work anywhere, but here's one thing I'm believing. Hey, let me say this. In this church, our job is not to work behind the scenes. Our job is to set the scenes because there's a bunch of people. Remember, we're investing and inviting. We need people to rub shoulders next to people who are living and loving Jesus, right? Does that all make sense? Yeah. So let me say this. I don't think I have to remind us but I'm going to, why Jesus says go, why we take this so seriously, why we spend all of our energy around something like this, because it's not about building a building or filling a church just because it's arbitrary. See, the reason why Jesus said go, the reason why we're asking you to go, the reason why we're asking for seats is because in every single seat, in every single campus, it represents stories, People, and I guarantee you, we went around this room. We could, we, we passed the mic. There's thousands of people who walked in, and there was an empty seat. And Jesus changed their life, their marriage, their home. That's why we do it. We want to see heaven more crowded. We want to see Jesus 
absolutely fully impact our lives here on planet Earth. And I'm telling you, the reason why we do it is because there are so many stories yet to be told, stories just like this one. So one, one day in business, I met this guy, his name was Ben. And um, we became friends. And I remember him, he started inviting me to his church. And he did that for probably two or three years. Every couple months, he would mention to go to church. And so I called Ben up. And by now, man, I, <laughs> I don't even know how, why he answered the phone. I wouldn't have answered the phone. You know, he's a much better friend than I would have been. And I said, man, you're still going to that Red Rocks church? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, I'll be there this Sunday. And I can, I can almost feel on the phone the, yeah, whatever. You know, your, your, your phone's going to break up when you get here or whatever. And I said, man, I'm going to be there. And I showed up. I showed up to church that Sunday with my wife and my, my newborn son. And I didn't know what to expect. But I showed up and, man, I loved it. I mean, I had, I had never been in a place where people cared for you, who you are, not where you are, not what you've done, not in a judgment, like a judgmental way, but really, really invest in who you are. God has really changed who I am. I have a compassion for people. I have a love for other sinners just like me because I understand where they're at. I know why they don't want to come to church. I know why when I invite them, they put me off. I understand because I was there. But I'm telling you, man, you keep investing in people's lives. And throughout the years, I've seen so many people come through here. People that I would even say had less of a chance of ever going to a church than even me come through here because Ben took the time and a couple years of inviting me and never lost faith in me. It was so bad in the way in his inviting process that his wife told him, I learned this later, his wife told him, leave Sai alone. That's perseverance. That's a love, man. And I didn't even know the guy. And he still loved me enough to invite me to church. From the bottom of my heart, from my entire family, I just want to say thank you. You, uh, I don't think you'll ever know what you invited me over and over again until I came and you never giving up on me. I don't think you'll ever understand until we get to heaven. You'll never understand what a difference that's made in my life. You'll never understand how grateful I am to you. Again, I speak of you as my best friend, an angel sent from God in my life because um, without you inviting me, I would be so lost and my eternity would not be set. And so again, Ben, I'm just, I'm just eternally grateful for you taking a risk, for you humbling yourself to invite a wretched person like me to church. Thank you, Ben. I love you, man. Is that not awesome? That's why Jesus said go. Because the people we invest in and we invite their people, the seats that we open up is for people. It's for more stories that could be told. And let me remind you of this, just a reminder. You notice what Jesus said at the end of Matthew 28. He said go, and then what he say? He said, and I will be with you. See, this is so huge, followers of Jesus. You know 
when you will feel Jesus most often is when you're going. He's like, I'm with you when you go. Now, of course, he's with us all the time, but it's so awesome to feel God with me when I step out to invest in somebody and invite them into this family, to welcome them home to this place. And listen, you may not feel competent to do this. I get it. You may not feel adequate. You may feel like you don't know every question of the Bible. Look, it doesn't matter if you know the Bible that well. You should probably read it. That's good. But that's not the primary deal. Because when I take a risk and I step out and I invest in somebody, listen, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. He's with you. And your job is just to say yes, to invest and invite just to say yes. You don't have to have it all figured out at school, at work, in your neighborhood. Listen, that is what we're supposed to do. And listen, Red Rocks, if you can hear my voice, you can do this. You can. Even if you don't feel adequate, you can do this. Jesus will show you the way. You just have to take a step and do your part. We as a church are gonna keep doing our part. And we know there's no doubt that this has always been God's design for us, the church, because guys, we, we are the church. We are, you are, we're the church. Can you stand with me? Invest and invite. I'm gonna ask you during this last bit of worship, will you take a minute and just scan your mind and maybe ask yourself, God, who is it this week, this month, in my work, around my neighborhood that you're asking me to go for? Who is it that you want me to go to? God, what do you want me to do? And then can I ask you just to pray for courage? Because I know how, how, much it, how much courage it takes. But listen, 20-some years ago, I had a little more hair. A kid who was really messed up showed up in my house. I had no idea what to do, didn't know the Bible. All I knew was maybe I should invite him to church. And so I did. It changed his life. I dare say it changed all of our lives because that was Sean. I just invited him. I didn't even tell him about Jesus. I didn't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. Invest in somebody, invite. And who knows what crazy things God will do. God, give us the courage. Help us step into your plan for us, the church. And we will give you absolutely every single bit of the glory on the other side of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.